0: Psalm 67 1 says this, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Selah. Isn't that a great passage of scripture? I mean, that's a good one, right? I mean, you, that's a refrigerator, bathroom mirror, you know, dashboard of your car, coffee cup at work verse. May God be, gra- that, that's, you know, write that one down because you got to write a birthday card to someone. You can write that one on their birthday card. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. What a great verse. And then Selah. We don't know what Selah means entirely. It's in the Psalms a lot. The best we can tell, it's some kind of a musical uh, term that basically we think it means Pause. Or as I like to, as I usually read it, when I'm reading it in my translation, I read Selah and I just read, you know that's right. And that's the way I read it. Yes. it just, just that's what God said. And you just pause and you look at it. And what a great encouraging verse. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. And I pray that for you and I pray that for me. But I also pray that you see that at the end, tell me what's at the end of that. Tell me what's after us. Somebody tell me, you can see it. What is it? There's a comma, not a period, right? There's a comma, not a period. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine upon us, comma. And the next verse says that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May God be gracious to you and bless you and make His face shine upon you so that... Your ways may be known on all the earth so that salvation may be known among all the nations. See, when you hear and respond and when I hear and respond to the message of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is not so we just sit around and wait for the heaven bus to come along and and, and wait to get to heaven. You have been saved and called for a purpose in God. You have been given the gracious love of Jesus Christ and responded so that the nations may know about Jesus and so that salvation may be known among the nations. You and I have been saved for an important and an incredible purpose, and I want us to remember that this morning as we go through this message. I said I was going to share with you one story. The Assemblies of God has 2,708 missionaries serving throughout the world. The Assemblies of God, U.S. does. The Assemblies of God Worldwide has many more than that. They're serving in 252 countries and people groups and territories. And so there's many stories that are out there. But I just want to share with you one story this morning. The story uh, can be uh, familiar to us because we don't know these people but you know people like them. Uh, their name is the Stewart family. That's a picture of them there. The father's name is Stan, and the mom's name is Ann, and then there's Stanley, and there's Ellie. The Stewart family was living in Southern California in San Diego. Uh, Stan was a cop for the San Diego police. Ann was working um, back Uh, In the 80s, she was pregnant with their first child, with Ellie. And she was pregnant with their first child, and they had been their church people, and they were going to church, stand served on the board at Teen Challenge. They were involved in church and serving God like many of you are. They felt like they were doing everything that God wanted them to do. They felt like they were in the spot where God wanted them. And then one day, Stan came home from work. He was working the late shift. It was 4 a.m. He got home from work, and Ann was on her way out because she was working the early shift. So they kind of like ships passing in the night. Uh, you know, they kissed each other. Stan went in to go to sleep. Ann went to go to work. And a little bit later, Stan was woken up by a phone call. And the man on the other side of the phone said, your wife, Ann, has been in a bad car accident and uh, you need to come down to the hospital because uh, not only that, she's starting to have contractions and it was way too early for the baby to be born. And so Stan went down to the hospital and he prayed and he, he prayed that God would spare this child and that God would spare uh, th- this baby and touch his wife and heal her. And the doctor said, well, she can go home, but she's going to have to be on bed rest, and, and, but we're going to have to keep her at the hospital for a little while longer, and we think the baby's going to be okay as long as she's on, on bed rest the rest of the time. So Stan went home to his new house full of boxes that they had recently moved into. The phone rang again. This time on the other end of the phone was someone from the police department. And they said one of the guys that Stan had gone to the police academy with, his name was Ron, he was a good friend of Stan's, had responded to a domestic violence call. When he responded, there was the guy who was hiding in the bushes, came up behind him and shot him in the neck and Ron was killed. Same day, he got these calls. Here he's thinking his wife got an accident, one of his best friends is killed, hangs up the phone, and a little bit later that day, the phone rings again. This time it's his realtor. He says, the house that you guys have just sold so that you can move into your new house, the couple that bought it split up and they found a loophole in the contract and they're backing out of the deal. And the house that you thought you sold is not sold and the house you think you can pay for, you can't really pay for and you've got to get back into your old house as quick as possible. All in the same day. And Stan says in that moment, he hit his knees and he said, God, you've got my attention what do you want from me God I go to church I serve you we love you I I do everything I can to to do what's right to worship you I serve on boards Uh, my family gives what do you want from me and in that moment he did what probably uh, any of us all we could do is cry out to God And in that moment, he heard God's voice respond. He says, I want everything. I want all of you. I want all of you. And I want you to respond to the word I gave you when you were a boy. Stan hadn't thought about it in a long time, but when he was five years old, God took his mind back to a time that he entered the church with his grandfather. He was five years old and his grandfather was taking care of the church and he went in and he laid down on the stage and he was just praying. And in that moment, Stan said, it was the first time I ever heard or felt the voice of God speak to me and he'd forgotten long ago what God had said. But in that moment, on that day, after those three phone calls, God reminded him and he said to Stan, I have a purpose for you and if you don't do it, it's going to go undone. And so in that moment, after those three phone calls, praying to God, he said, God, I'll do it, whatever it is. Whatever it is, you have my everything. I will respond. He knew that God was calling him to the mission field. He knew that God was calling him to go, to leave his place, leave his place of comfort. He didn't know where he was called to go, but he just knew that God was calling him to go. He didn't have a lot of details like that. And you know what? It's not always like that. But the call of God on people who go, on these missionaries who are sent, on these global outreach partners we have, they may not tell an exact story like that, but there's a story like that where the call of God came and they couldn't avoid it and they couldn't ignore it. And going to the place they didn't know suddenly seemed more comfortable than staying in the place they did know. And they received that call. People have received that call right out of these seats that you're sitting in, so be careful. And some of you already know that God's calling you to go. And if he's calling you to go, you need to go. You may not know where, but if God's calling you to go, you need to go. And that's what Stan received people out of this church have received it there's some i was thinking of our global outreach partners that we support right now some of you have seen these through tom harvey cassie doll jenny falcon Corey and rick camiso a serving god in various places i didn't have a picture of larry and nana johnson but they were just here last month hopefully you remember they're in ghana jenny and uh in swaziland and cory and rick in, in dakar and and Tom, he's serving stateside, as well as Cassie uh, serving and ministering as a missionary for the Lord stateside. Receive the call of God where you're sitting, in your seats called to go. And that's where the, that's the way the call of God starts. I think there's one more picture Jenny sent us. Yeah, Jenny was, just to give you a little update on Jenny, she uh, was in Canada recently. They brought a choir from Swaziland. First time they did it, they had a choir that they brought from Swaziland to Canada to help raise money. I don't know why they didn't bring it to us. Next time we're getting on their schedule... But they have child sponsorships, kind of we do at the African Children's Choir. We've done that before. And, and uh, so Jenny was real excited to kind of share what God's been doing through her to care for orphans uh, in Swaziland. But they received a call to go. Some of you also have received that call or you may be waiting and God will send you the call. But afterwards, the call started to get clarified. Stan prayed with his wife, and they started to ask God, we'll go. Where do you want us to go? Where do you want us to go? And what God began to work in his heart to something that's always been on Stan's heart, and that was to go to a hard place. To go to a place where people haven't had the chance to hear about Jesus. To go to a place where no one is working, where, where the need is overwhelming. To go to a place where the gospel had not been preached. This is not new. The apostle Paul talks about this. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. He says, he writes this to the church at Corinth. Then we'll be able to go and preach the good news in other places far beyond you where no one else is working. Then there will be no question of our boasting about work done in someone else's territory. Paul says, "Look, we love that the work that's going on among you. We love it." He, he would say, "I love what's going on at Mount Hope. But my hope is to go beyond you, to go where places where, go to places where nobody has heard. What blows me away about this verse is, this is the first century. Nobody has heard. You, Paul can go anywhere and nobody's heard. But he says, I I want to establish a beachhead there. And once it's established where you are, I want to go where nobody's heard, where nobody has heard the gospel. I want to go. I want to give everyone a chance to hear. And so he says, I want to go to the place where the gospel hasn't been preached. Let me be very clear about something when it comes to global outreach. EVERY PERSON THAT WALKS THE FACE OF THE EARTH, EVERY PERSON YOU LOOK INTO THEIR EYES, EVERY PERSON YOU MEET IS OF, I BELIEVE, THE EXACT SAME VALUE TO GOD. REGARDLESS OF CLASS, REGARDLESS OF MONEY, REGARDLESS OF WHERE THEY LIVE, REGARDLESS OF LANGUAGE THEY SPEAK OR CAN'T SPEAK, REGARDLESS OF ANYTHING ELSE IN THEIR LIFE, EVERY PERSON is of the exact same value to God. Every person, in order to be in a relationship with God, is redeemed by the same precious shed blood of Jesus Christ and no other way. Every person is created in the image of God. Every person on earth has the same exact value. So I want to be totally clear on that. So your, person, your, your neighbor across the street that doesn't know Christ is of the same exact value of the person who across the world who doesn't know Christ. And it takes the same exact price, the shed blood of Jesus, to redeem them. So let's be clear on that. But let me also be clear on this. Not every person has the same access to the gospel as every other person on earth. Not every person has the same chance to hear about the hope and love of Jesus Christ. Not every person lives in a place where they can turn on the TV, even log on to the internet, go to your local bookstore and hear about or read about Jesus. So is an equalness of value, but an inequity of access. And Stan knew this. And so he said, we want to go to a place where no one else is going. We want to go to a place that's difficult. This is a bit of our strategy here at Mount Hope as well. Let me share with you a couple of slides. Okay, put on your thinking caps. We're going from feeling to thinking, okay? Here's the transition. I hope you've been thinking all along, but... Um we're going to make that transition. Uh, so here's let me talk about um, just kind of the way we allocate. And those of you that have been here, you've seen this. If you're new to us, let me just take a minute to explain it. This is what we do with our global outreach funds that come into Mount Hope. When you give a dollar or ten dollars or hundred, where does it go? This is kind of how it breaks down. So the global church, that's worldwide, not just Assemblies of God, but global church, worldwide, most of the breakdown of funds is like this. 4% about goes to the least reach. The the people that have the least amount of opportunity to hear the gospel, about 16% goes to what we would call formative. There's some expression of the gospel. And about 80% ends up going to places where a gospel witness, an indigenous church, has already been established. And and that's fine. God has called people to go, and everybody needs to be supported where they go. But at Mount Hope, our global outreach committee, and, and we've decided, no, we want to change that a little bit Everyone deserves to hear about the gospel. And so we want to be a part of a group that is going to be uh, kind of the, the tip of the spear. And we want to really support people who are going to go to places that are going to be difficult to go to. Because it's hard because not as much of the church is supporting them. And so if you come to us and you say, look, I want to go someplace where there's no Christians. I mean, those are like the magic words to our missions committee. You come in and you say that and we say, okay, let's talk. Let's talk about where you want to go. So in 2007, about five or six years ago, this is where we were, 23% to unreached, 42% formative, 35% established as we were kind of putting this philosophy in motion. This year, 48% of everything that came in went to unreached people groups. So we're right about close to our target of 45%. A little over it. 27% went to formative and 24% went to established or significant works. We still want to support those works, but we know the larger church as a whole is supporting them in a greater way. So uh, we're going to let that happen and them do that. And we're going to uh, target about 45% of our funds that'll go to uh, those unreached people groups. So, um, so we're hitting that. We're getting there uh, right about where, where we want to be. So I wanted you to see that. Let me show you where kind of uh, those are our partners around the world. Uh, I'll put that up again later so you can see it a little bit uh, more, but that's where they're serving. You can see the breakdown. Unreached people groups, red, formative, are yellow, and the green are established uh, places. Um, So that's just kind of how that breaks down. It's one one way, one ministry has broken that down. And then let's go to the next slide, and I'll kind of show you where uh, we are or where we have been. Uh, So faith promise trends, fiscal years ending June 30th. Um, uh, so the number of faith promises are in blue, and why is that important? Because not everyone can able to give at the same level, but we all want to be partnering in giving and supporting global outreach. Um, <clears throat> so 62, I think households, uh, 2005, 96 this past year. Praise the Lord, uh, made faith promise commitments, um, and that's uh, that's fantastic. Uh, next slide shows annual giving trends. Um, so the blue total missions giving that includes fundraise for missions trips and projects, and uh, and then the black line there, or the yeah the black line there, I think is the faith promise, uh, what we actually sent out. So praise the Lord. You can see where the you know it's moving up and to the right. That's the way we want it to move, right? Uh, it's, it's going in the right direction. What this allows us to do is partner with more people. So last year, uh, we, gave, we sent out $109,000 in commitments to missions. Praise the Lord. I think we can give the Lord a hand for that. Um, I'm excited about it, if no one else is. This is in the midst of whatever financial crisis our country is going through, however you want to categorize that, in the midst of a building program larger than any we've ever done before. And in the midst of all that, the global outreach, giving, uh, and support continues to go. This allows us to support more people like Don Butera, who you heard from a couple weeks ago, and Chuhia Hills, and, uh, and Nan and Johanan, and others. It allows us to continue our support to them. So uh, it does. it is significant. And let's see, next slide we can go to. So this is, okay, this was the... <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of the good news, bad news, right? But I want you to have an accurate picture. This is, this is what's happened in the last couple months. Chuan, our missions director, kindly said, Why, you might not want to show that. No, nah, no, we're going to show it. I want you to see the whole picture. Uh, so the last couple months, you can see it's done by years. And then the last couple months was kind of broken down because uh, we've looked at it and we said, okay, the last couple months have kind of dropped off in giving. Um, and so if it continues on that trend, it went from... Uh, 91000 I think, uh, average there um, that we were sending out. So a little more comes in in Faith Promises, uh, but uh, we keep a little bit there to send out extra gifts and things. But monthly support, $91,000. So the last couple months, you can see it's dropped off. We've had some families move and, and things like that, and so that sometimes happens. But what we don't want to do, I'll be honest, th- this is the position the missions committee gets put in um, after today. What we do, with this card today is significant. Please don't think it's insignificant. What we do with this card today is significant to missionaries around the world. Uh, there are partners that we've committed to, and we want to keep those commitments. And, uh, and we want to we be able to not only do that, we want to add partners around the world. We've got, and you know, I don't know if you know this, we've always got like five on the bench, at least. Five on the bench. That, that we're going. Our commitments are in October. Come, we'll, we'll let you know. And if we, if the, if the ward brings it in and the commitments come in, we want to be a part of what you're doing. And and so what we do in this moment with these cards uh, really does have effects around the world. Um, so that's important. And uh, and I wanted to see that one as well. What we've done this last year um, with some of the uh, missions commitments. You have another slide that's bullet points. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Highlighted global outreach partners and two Wednesday night prayer services. We presented a Wednesday class on God's global purpose. We sent special financial gifts to support Run for Freedom, ministry rescuing girls and uh, women trafficked into prostitution. Uh, We did some things with college students from here and others going on a missions trip to Guatemala. And then we added partners uh, you can see we added uh, partners down the, the bottom. Uh, we were able to add some missions partners in this last year, which is fantastic. We, of course, kept up our regular support to all our existing partners, as well as we were able to increase some of our support to existing partners. And then, like I said, we've got some on the bench as well. Let me get back to Stan and Ann. Stan and Ann were called to go some of the least reached groups they never came to Mount Hope and asked us but if they did, they would have been right in our wheelhouse because they said we want to go to Turkey There's 70 million people in Turkey there's a few thousand that would name Jesus Christ as their Lord 70 million people and a few thousand that know Jesus and many obviously millions that never even get the chance to respond and so they felt like God was calling them to Istanbul, Turkey. and uh, they would have been just a couple that we would have partnered with if we had the opportunity. they never came our way. Um, so they went they wanted to go, and they felt like God was calling them, but they knew there was going to be a cost, but they didn't. And every mini- missionary knows there's going to be a cost, right? You're going to leave family, you're going to leave comfort. You're going to leave some of the things that have made life enjoyable. You're going to miss some birthdays. You're going to miss some holidays. You're not going to be able to come home when you're sick. You know, it's just, you're going to make some sacrifices. But they didn't know all the sacrifice that God was going to ask them to make. But it was part of the journey that God took them on to reach some of the least reached people in the world. Check out this clip first and see a little bit of Anne and Stan. And
1: do miraculous things. And we had seen the blind see and the lame healed. But we've not led one to the Lord. And that's what we're here for. Of course, we want to do all these things. We want to see these things. But our heart is that they be saved. And we knew something had to move. And we finally just went to God and said, whatever. Whatever it takes, we are willing. We're here for a reason. Use us and God very gently just kept saying, it's going to come at a cost. And I remember thinking, unspiritually, am I going to be crippled from this Lord? And he said, if you will abide in me, this will not cripple you. And the thought did come across my mind, you know, Lord, is it Stan? And again, King just said, if you will abide in me, this will not cripple you. And once again, came that same message, are you ready to suffer? And I just kind of felt a little bit like Peter when Jesus kept saying, do you love me? Because I felt like, you know, we, we've established this, Lord. We've already come to that point of I'm laying everything down. And once again, I just said, Lord, everything I lay down, whatever the cost. And God gave me scripture as we were heading out, and he gave me Psalm 68 that said he would go in front of you and the enemies would flee before him. We were able to get back into far reaching areas that no one had been. People had never seen Westerners before. Nomadic tribes that we had looked for for years were at every turn. And we stopped the car and got out. We're just praising God. The next part of that scripture in Psalm 68 talks about that we will rejoice and we will sing out to God. And that's what we did. We got out of the car and just praised his name. And as we were heading back, I was thinking, hmm, there's still a part of that scripture that God hasn't given to us yet. It goes on to say that I will be a father to the fatherless, and I will be a defender of the widows. We got home, and within a couple of weeks got the news that Stan had terminal cancer. And there was just instant peace. He didn't miss a step. It's like, that was a scripture I gave you. He had already been there. He had already prepared us. And we were ready to walk the road he gave us.
0: They got the diagnosis. They tell the story that they went to the doctor, and um, in that culture, you don't tell someone they're dying. You don't tell someone that they have a terminal illness. You don't want to. You just don't want to give that news. And and so they said, as they describe it, they said the doctor just. <laughs> put his head in his hands and was just shaking his head back and forth and didn't know what to say. And they were looking at the, the, the scans and everything, and they knew what it was. Uh, Anne says that, you know, when you're looking at it, there was no question about what it was. You, you looked at the scan and the result, and you said that's, you just knew you didn't have to be a doctor to know that's cancer, and it's really late cancer. And so they were actually comforting the doctor. They went and told the doctor, they said, it's all right, we know it's cancer, it's okay, it's okay. But through this, they had a decision to make, right? A lot of people would have come home. You've got cancer, and a lot of missions organizations and a lot of churches would have understood, come home, be with your family. You know, you gave it a shot, but, but come home. But they had a very clear word from God. He knew it was terminal cancer, and barring any miracle, that it was going to be. Stands, we had to stand dying. But they had a very clear word from God, and it was for him to live this dying out loud. Those are his words. He said he felt like God said, "Live this dying out loud before the people that I have sent you to. Good days out loud, bad days." Out loud, no false hope, no false courage, but putting your trust in Christ, live this dying out loud before them, and show these people not just how to live, but how to die. And they knew that it was going to come at a cost. And Stan received that word. And take a look at the next clip of how they interpreted the diagnosis and what happened. Over the
2: last number of years, God has showed up in miraculous ways here in Turkey miraculous ways in healing people. We've uh, had a miraculous healing of a woman who had cancer, terminal cancer, that God healed her. We had a man who was blind receive his sight back when we prayed in the name of Jesus. We had a woman who had a bone disease for 20 years that uh, was healed miraculously, instantaneously, when we prayed for her in the name of Jesus. And yet it did nothing that we could see to move Turks towards Christ. There were no new questions. There were there were no proclamations that Christ was Lord. Nobody came to us and said, tell us more about this Jesus. It was as if it never happened. But when the news of my cancer hit the community, we have seen Turks grieve like we've never seen them grieve before as they think about the fact that I'm going to die. And now we see the value of this cancer. We see the value of this talent that God has given us to be able to live out loud, how to die as a Christian, how to die with hope and how to die with, with trust and confidence that we're going to spend eternity with Jesus when they have no hope and they have no confidence and they look at us and they can't even begin to talk about burial or, or the end days for me because they're so scared of dying. And so we have this opportunity. I feel like we have this one shot here to do this right, to die with a godly courage and with godly peace in front of these people and show them that there is another way of living. There's another way of dying.
0: God had called them not just to live for Him but to die for Him. And to die in a way that would bring honor and glory to Him. You ever thought about... I mean, we offer everything to God. We sing about it every Sunday. He doesn't just ask for our life. He asks for everything. Trusting Him even in death. It was amazing as as the video goes on and Stan talks about how this affected the community and how uh, that these people gathered around them these people that would never uh, listen to them before really on, on these ways all of a sudden opened up doors for them to share and they comforted not only did they comfort but they walked with stan and Ann. they wouldn't let stan go to the doctor alone his neighbor the, the driver for the community had to drive him They would never let them be alone because in their culture, if you leave someone in that state alone, the the risk is that they'll get so depressed, that they'll give up, they'll get so discouraged, they never left them alone. And Stan says, you know, for he and Ann, it was hard because sometimes you just want to be alone. But they knew that God had called them to live this dying out loud. Then he makes this statement. Stan says they weep. He said in one section of his of his video, and in this book, if you're interested in hearing the story yourself, they have this this book, "Dying Out Loud: No Guilt in Life, No Fear in Death." And um, and he has this one line. He says, um, he says, my Muslim friends, the ones he's trying to reach, he said, my Muslim friends will weep over my cancer today. They will weep over the fact that they know I'm going to die. They will weep over the fact that, uh, that I'm sick and that, that I'm going to die. And he says, my prayer is that our American churches would weep over their lostness the way that they weep over my sickness. And I thought, what a challenge. When's the last time we wept over someone not getting a chance to hear about the hope and the love of Jesus Christ? When's the last time you shed a tear over the fact that there are 70 million people? That's just one nation. It's not that they've rejected. The vast majority never got a chance to hear. When's the last time we shed a tear He said, my prayer is that the American church would weep over their lostness the way they weep over my sickness. And they started to see that through the cancer, through this dying out loud, that something, even if it's just a little seed, something started to happen. Watch
2: this last clip. On Monday, I got a phone call from one of the shops near the mosque and it says, can you come down here? The imam has left a gift for you. And so I thought, wow, it's a second gift from the imam and kind of thought maybe I needed to come up with another one for him, but I didn't. I walked down to this shop and there in the corner on a stool was a package for me. On the top of it, it said Isa, which is the Arabic name, the Turkish Islamic name for Jesus. And I asked the shop owner, I said, what is this? Why does it say Jesus on top of it? And he got kind of embarrassed, and he said, You know, your name, Stan, is so hard for us to say. They pronounce it Satan. And he said, The Imam can never remember your name. He said, So he just always calls you Jesus. And I picked the package up and left very quickly uh, because I began to weep on the way home, began to weep in the shop that I was the only Jesus this Imam had ever met. I was the only Jesus this Imam had ever known And the thoughts went to the back of my head, what a poor, poor Jesus you have been to Him. And yet I was the Jesus that God had chosen to show Him. That's the first time we felt like we were cutting through the darkness, like we were doing anything that mattered in this country.
0: Seeds that are planted. Many of the missionaries that we support, like the stewards, they're going to places that are hard not easy to make inroads and God had called them to go to live and eventually to die August this past just this past August 2013 Stan did uh, die there in Turkey and is buried there and, uh, and and lived out his last days among these people that God called him to reach and his wife Anne has been commissioned as a missionary to stay and to go into Turkey and to, uh, to be a missionary there as well. Uh, his two children are going to uh, Evangel University and are going to uh, study to also continue in the mission field uh, and to reach out to this community where their dad was called to. But this is how it starts. How does a country go from one of the least reached? That one I showed on the graph that you know, those least reached to one that's got an established church, it starts with people like Stan and Ann and Ellie and Stanley Stewart. It starts with someone who says, I'll go where no one else is going. But they can't go if there aren't churches that say, we'll send you there. We'll send you there. Because there's no church there to support them. You know, sometimes we don't even think about that. In the United States, you know, we have a church to support the ministry and there's Christians here who support the ministry that goes out and the witness that, that goes out in our nation and that's wonderful. But what about the nation that doesn't have it but still needs, still is valuable to God, a witness of the gospel? If there aren't churches that say, we will look beyond our own borders... We will look beyond our own walls. We will look beyond our own comforts, our own desires. We will sacrifice. But who's going to send them? And how will they go? And so we're here today in order to consider what God would want to do through us. Not for the stewards, but for the people they're going to reach for the people that haven't heard but deserve to hear and so I'll ask you to take that card out again and I'll ask our music ministry to to return as we consider just in prayer as we close out this service faith promise is just that it's both aspects to it it's a promise and it's a promise made in faith I'm not asking you or God's not asking you to fill out a card of what's extra. I'm asking you to consider what God would want to do through you and through me to reach people throughout the world that haven't heard. I was thinking this morning in worship, because I I told you in the beginning of the service the danger was that doing these two events on one day that one's going to overshadow the other and we're going to lose the moment this moment this is what I was afraid of I was afraid of losing this moment this moment when we consider what God would want to do through us for people who don't know Christ And then what came to my mind is pictures, and not pictures of a building. That's a beautiful building out there. But it's pictures of faces. Faces like these on the walls. Faces that you've seen in missionary videos. Faces that you just saw in the video from Stan and. Faces of people that may not get the chance to hear. If Someone doesn't go and churches don't send them. See, that's what we're about. We're not about buildings. I'm grateful for what God has given to us, but you know I am grateful for it? Because I think he's going to use it to reach people. That's how this whole journey started with this building. We didn't build it to own it. We don't, we're not about buildings. We built it so that more people can be reached in different ways for Jesus Christ. We built it because there's a harvest it's ripe and ready for harvest, and maybe we can do some things a little bit better, and maybe we can do some things a little bit different, and maybe we can try some things that we couldn't try before, and reach some people that we couldn't reach before. Two weeks from tomorrow, tomorrow's Monday, right? Yeah, two weeks from tomorrow, Burlington Youth Basketball is going to start holding their practices in there on Monday nights. And- I'm glad you're clapping because that tells me a lot about the heart of this church. Because there may be some places that just spent $2 million on a building that says it's our building. We want to keep it to ourselves. Don't dirty it up. Don't come in it. That's not what we're about. And so every person that comes in there and walks on this property that may never have walked on this property before and comes into this place and knows and realizes there's a place that maybe they can come in their community, that they can come and see that there are people that love them. And if there are people there that love them, maybe this God that they talk about loves me too. And that's what it's about. It's not about buildings. If we build that building and we don't reach anyone for Christ, then we have failed. We've just got a beautiful building. It's about reaching people for Jesus. And so I ask you to consider this card. You know where you are. I don't know where you are. You know what you can do and you know what God is asking to do through you. It may be a step of faith. I'm asking you to take a step of faith, to trust that God will give through you as you trust him to provide for you not foolishness but faith take a step of faith trust that god wants to move through you for the sake of those who haven't heard so faith promise just the logistics this is not our tithe our tithe is the wards we give that to the ward and his work here at the church this is beyond that this is our offering you know, at this church, I, I've said it before, we'll ask you to, we believe, we'll ask you to give to three things. Tithe, because that's the Lord's. Give to missions, because that's what we're about, reaching people, and give to vision. Things like this building. But that's, that's, that's what we'll ask. You know, you say churches always talk about money. I'm not afraid to talk about money when it comes to people being reached with the gospel, because frankly, it takes money to send them. it takes money to reach people and so we need to be willing to give to that as well just so you know nobody sees this card except our global outreach team the people that need to see it to understand and add up you know what there is and so they're the ones that'll see this card Um, and so someone might say well what's your goal pastor my goal is that everyone would participate And I believe if we all participate in the level that God is calling us to participate, we'll be able to meet the needs that God's calling us to meet. My goal is that if you're a part of this church, this is your church home, this is your local body, then you'll partner with us in reaching the world for Jesus Christ. I won't get into numbers, but I'll let you know just... uh, just give you insight into where it is in our household, where it falls, you know. Sometimes you look at your, your, you know, your priorities and you figure out where things fall and I'll, I'll, I'll be as open as I can be with you, with me. So for us, you know, if I look at what goes out every month, you know, the mortgage goes out and that's a big check, you know. Wish it wasn't, but that's what that is, right? That's the world we live in. Tithe goes out, you know, that, that goes out, that goes out to the Lord. Food, you know, Market basket gets a good share. Got to put food on the table, right? After those three, for us, it's our faith promise. That's the next largest check that goes out that month. That's just because over the years, we've just decided as a family that we want to prioritize reaching people for Jesus Christ. And we want that to be our legacy. We want that to be what we prioritize. We want that we want to be a part of that. And I don't say that in any way to be boastful, and I hope you not understand it that way. Maybe you're maybe you're sitting there going, geez, it should be more than your mortgage pastor. And maybe one day it will be. I say that just to give you a perspective. That's just where we are. That's just where we are. And so maybe this will be your first time making a faith promise, and that'll be a stretch in itself. Or maybe you've made one every year. And God wants to do something bigger through you. All I ask is that you listen to the Holy Spirit as he speaks. I'm going to pray. The worship team is going to play. There's are going to be a couple baskets up here. I'm just going to ask, oh, pens. We need pens. Anyone need pens? Uh, logistics. Can we, get, can we get some pens, guys? Um, maybe you can share a pen with someone beside you that's got their hand up. Most people seem to have them. Um, worship team is going to play as you complete the card and if you're here you know i ask you to pray about it if you're here with the spouse or pray about it together and then let's bring our cards up as our offering and our call to response place them in these baskets place them on the altar commit them to the lord and partner with god to work to reach the world for him father i thank you for your goodness and your grace god i thank you for being able to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for someone telling me. I thank you for the many in this room that can say someone told them. Lord, I just ask that you would open our hearts to what you want to do through us. God, that you would use us Give us a legacy of people reached for Christ. Give us a legacy, Lord, in heaven, a reward in heaven, Lord, one that does not rust or tarnish or is eaten away. Lord, help us to trust you to do even greater things through us than we've ever seen accomplished. Lord, I thank you for the Stewart family. I lift up Ann, Stanley, and Ellie today. Lord, I ask that you bless them. Ask that you comfort them, and God, I ask for that community in Islamabad, that place where they have been in Istanbul, Turkey, where they have been. Would you work in that little community that they were a part of? Let Stan's death not be wasted, but let his blood be a testimony to the blood of Jesus Christ that can save from the power of death. Let it be the seeds that begin a revival in that nation that one day Turkey is no longer one of the least reached groups in our world. We ask that you use us to that end as well. In Christ's name.